Hi everyone, the Ask Mike show. We are back. Mike here as your host as always. And today I'm joined with Will Crudson in the virtual studio. So Will, thanks for being a guest. Thanks a lot, Mike. Thanks for having me. Yeah, great to be here. No problem. And you're a guitarist. You do a lot of solo stuff through Scant Regard and amongst the other sort of collaborations as well. But I'm curious as to your starting point. So was guitar something that you did when you were in school, growing up? Talk to us a bit about your, your origin story. Yeah, I started playing the guitar when I was nine. So I was still in school. Yeah. And um, I was actually, uh, I, I had a classical teacher for years, for about five or six years. So I did all the classical grades and all that. Um, so, yeah, I started off doing that, but I always wanted to be in a band, really. Um, and, you know, when I got old enough to be able to do what I wanted, I I did that. I, I uh, formed my own band and I've just been doing it ever since, really. That's something that you've always, you've always been doing from an early age then. So what, what was the... What was the desire behind it? Was it just you got better and then the natural progression was the band and then you sort of took things gradually higher and higher? Or was there a bit more to it? Were you inspired by someone? Did you have like someone you looked up to? Or was it just a case of, I'll do this guitar thing and see how it goes and it actually went quite well? Uh, probably a bit of all that really you know there's always people you look up to people that inspire you people that are doing what you want to do when you're older uh, so there was a number of bands that I looked up to and guitarists or whatever um, but yeah no I just I, I always wanted to uh, it's just what I always wanted to do really and it, it like you say it did it built up over the years and um, uh, every every sort of new thing I did kind of got a bit more successful uh, uh, so yeah, it worked out well, you know. So what was the what was the first song that you came up with, if you can remember, and talk us through a bit about how you came up with it? Because very often the first time we do something, it's either the most nerve wracking or it's not. Yeah. But I'm really curious. What, what what it's like for you first song it wasn't that nerve-wracking writing a song it was nerve-wracking going on stage and playing it for the first time i would say but um actually right it was the first song i wrote um pretty much if i listen to it now i can see exactly where i got the the ins- inspiration from and it was probably the cure actually the band the cure because uh the riff was very similar to an early cure song uh but uh obviously the words are all my own and um yeah, so um, no, I don't, it wasn't really that intimidating to write songs. It um, is pretty gratifying straight away. You know, when you, if you actually create something of your own, it's always um, it's always a good feeling, really. What was the the time difference between creating the song and then performing it on stage? And what was it like to go from having the song there and then going out on stage and performing it? Uh, well, actually. I think what happened was I, I wrote it for myself and I was going to sing it and everything. Uh, but by the time I'd got a band together, I actually had a singer in the band and I was just playing guitar. So I used to write all the lyrics and the, the music for that singer. Um, so it wasn't actually, it ended up being a song that someone else was singing, but I was, I was obviously involved because I was playing guitar. But um, so, yeah, just kind of, and that would have been um, probably at least a year after I wrote it, I would have thought, yeah. 
was it a particular style of guitar that you you started playing? Because I'm aware that there are different types of guitar and like bass guitar and things like that. So was there anything that was particularly sort of, I guess, unique to you or, or your preference? Uh, well, as I say, I, I was initially doing classical music. So I had a classical guitar uh, with nylon strings and I played with my fingers with my right hand. Um, I moved on. I did actually have a bass at one point as well, quite early on. I had a whole bass stack in the front room. My parents were very, I don't know, very uh, cool about that. Um, and I even had a drum kit at one point. I just went through every every instrument you could possibly have in a band um and but then in the end i ended up getting an electric guitar and uh that's what i've stuck with ever since pretty much yeah you brought up your your parents being okay with it yeah. do you have any stories around like practicing at home that you'd be able to share or was it more like studio stuff for you when you were getting started oh no it was all at home you know that, i was still at school you know so i was just i'd have to i had to practice uh, every day pretty much um when i was doing classical guitar because like i say i did all the exams and all that so i had to uh make sure i was uh proficient <laughs> to get to the next level and all that you know um so yeah no it was all, all at home and there was no problem with noise for some reason but then when as soon as i would play one of my records a record that i bought by someone there there was always a problem with noise then if it wasn't me making the noise that it became a yeah. problem for some reason you know, that's the way it goes, though, isn't it? I guess you sort of sat there and gone, well, it's school work, mm. so we'll uh, yeah. we'll let it go a little bit. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, you get away with it. So I suppose that's good, really, to be able to make a noise without any repercussions. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, must have been pretty cool as a, as a kid being able to do that and go, but it's school work, Mom. Yeah. I'm preparing for an exam. Exactly. <laughs> so what what makes the songs more difficult as you got older what was the i mean now looking back it's probably easier to answer this question than when you were a child as well so what makes a song more complicated or more difficult to actually perform um it depends sometimes very simple songs uh are actually harder to get right or to get, you know, sounding as good as even more complicated. When you've got a lot of notes happening, you can kind of almost hide behind, um, you know, if you play a wrong note, it's going to be less noticeable because you're going to get onto the next note a lot quicker. If there's a very basic riff or basic melody to something, um, I think it's, yeah, it's, it, it takes um, a lot of, it takes a lot of experience to get that right. I think, you know, um, so, and I would I, probably listening to some of my earlier songs, they're probably more complicated than some of the stuff I do now, really, because uh, you kind of learn to be a bit, use a bit more space and a bit more um, directness, I guess. Yeah. I was just curious because I was never amazing at music. Uh, I wasn't amazing at a lot of things, to be fair, when I was growing up. It always interested me when like music you've got levels and grades and things i'm sort of aware of of that situation but i'd never known what the difference was between an easier song and then graduating to harder songs yeah i suppose i mean in a way i suppose you get better at playing stuff anyway 
So it may feel like it's getting easier, but it might, I guess it could be a more complicated thing that would have been complicated a few years previous, you know? Um, so maybe it's that, I don't, I don't know. Um, it does depend on the song. Sometimes you'll hear something and you'll think it sounds like a song by someone else. You'll think it's very simple. And then you'll realize they're using a lot more chords and a lot more sort of variations on a theme and a lot more complex, um, arrangements than than actually you initially perceive from listening to it you know so um it's very that's the great thing about music it, it's um it's almost like magic you know you can um if you dissect it it kind of almost spoils it sometimes you know I, it, it depends on the person as well so other people some people may find certain songs harder to play than other people you know um it's very um yep. yeah subjective really yeah it's almost like if a magician reveals the trick and you're praying it's something magical and complicated and you go, no, no, it's just this thing that I do with mirrors and a coin and you go, yeah, doing the whole thing, really. That's I'm it. hoping something isn't. That's a really good analogy. Yeah, that's uh, exactly what it's like. So how did things really start to get going for you? Because... It can seem a little bit strange to people when they go, oh, well, they just started playing in school and decided to start a band. And But you, you've gone from, like, something that some people do as a hobby and you've taken it to a point where you're on stage, you're touring, you're playing guitar from a lot of different bands and things over the years as well. What led up to it starting to take off for you? I, it didn't take off right away. I was I was doing a few um, normal jobs for a few years, you know, uh, before uh, I joined a band called Rachel Stamp. Um, and I was 25 when we got signed, 24, 25. Uh, so, yeah, for, right from the when I left college, I was in a few bands that didn't really get anywhere, you know. Um, but I think that was good to kind of, you have to sort of learn your trade, you know. It's good to kind of do that without being in front of a massive audience. <laughs> Uh, so luckily that's what happened. <laughs> didn't feel, I didn't feel lucky about it at the time, obviously, cause I just wanted to get somewhere and go on tour and all that, but that didn't happen until I was in my mid twenties. There's nothing quite like failing in front of millions of people that you thought you were well prepared for, I suppose. Yeah. Well, yeah. Luckily that hasn't happened yet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what was the, what was the defining moment? Did you have one where you sat there or you stood there and gone, this is it. It looks like it's it's starting, you know? Or did it never yeah. feel that way because you'd worked so hard to get there? When I joined uh, Rachel Stamp, we got signed to Warners. Uh, when that happens, then you realise you're going to get, you know, you're going to be able to live on on music. Uh, you get a wage and everything. That's, yeah, that obviously alters the way you're, you're kind of feeling about what you do. Um, so I think it was probably then, yeah, that was the, that was the point, really. So, like, mid-20s. That's really cool, then, because when, when people picture music and entertainment and, you know, Warner Brothers is up there with, like, you wouldn't even, you wouldn't even dream of it in some cases because I don't even think that they even did music or even got involved in music. 
So how how did you get that opportunity? Did you have to, was it right place, right time? Or did you have particular things that you had to do to get noticed? It's almost like um, in football, let's say, you're more likely to get scouted in inverted commas if you're seen in the right places. So if you're like a, an A-League player in the right yeah. And at the right time, you're more likely to get scouted by a bigger team where you could not be in that position and you're never going to get there. So mm. talk to us a bit about that situation. Yeah, I think it's probably a mixture of everything you said. It was obviously you're lucky to be in the right place. Uh, we'd only played about four or five gigs, uh, but someone from Warners had, had come to see us um, but yeah, we were going out a lot. We were um, very visible. We were quite a flamboyant looking band anyway. So that helped. Uh, but the songs were great. You know, I just, you know, the original demos we did were a lot of people picked up on them. A lot of independent companies did as well. But um, I think when, at, at that point in time, where, as soon as the major labels, as soon as they hear that a lot of smaller companies are interested, they, they their ears prick up, you know, and they get in there with the... Uh, the big bucks or whatever, you know, so, but it's a very, it's a very different scene these days. Uh, this was in the nineties when it was like, there were a lot of bands getting signed and there was a lot more money around to, to uh, nurture bands as well, you know? So um, I guess we were fortunate to be around then, but having said that it wasn't really the best part of the career of that band. It was um, everything kind of happened after that. We, we got a lot bigger, um after we lost our deal with warner brothers and we had a lot of smaller deals and stuff but we actually had a more of a following then so um yeah but it was great at the time yeah i imagine that felt quite surreal actually what what was going through your mind like what sort of things were going through your head and how, how did you feel when when you got that well i think every young band when i think if they get money thrown at them they're just like well this is it we've made it you know it's like the they're behind us and we're going to have a hit and all this. And uh, of course it, it's, it doesn't always work that way. You know, it's um, it doesn't mean you've made it just because you've got a record deal, you know? So, um, and in our case, it really didn't, you know, and it really, you know, not, not that we were the, the biggest band in the world after that, but we did uh, on our own kind of steam, we, we, we gained a following, like I say. Um, so, yeah, but it was, it was very exciting. Yeah. Very exciting. What did you learn from getting signed with with Warner Brothers then that you took into doing things on your own steam, as you said, that propelled you forwards? Because it would have been so easy to go, oh, well, this is it. Um, I think, well, we we didn't sign another major deal after that because I think we we realised we needed to have someone that was a bit more hands-on, a bit more... um, aware of what was going on because that you know if you deal if you start dealing with major labels they've got 10 other bands they're look you know even one a and r person has got 10 other bands they're trying to deal with and um you know in our case we, we it wasn't that lucky uh because the a and r guy that signed us actually left pretty soon after he signed us even before he released anything so that didn't help matters so it was it was by no means an ideal uh situation that's quite a quite a difficult situation to be in when the guy that organized <laughs> organized you guys to 
to do some work for them, ended up leaving not long after yeah. you put everything forward. That must have been that must have been quite nerve wracking for for you as as the the band as well. Like what were yeah. your thoughts at the time? I mean, I don't know how far back we're going now, but what sort of things did yeah. you I mean, were you looking for your next move? Were you thinking, well, he's gone. I take it we're going to be next. We've not even released anything yet. Let's look for our, our next thing. Or were you still trying to sort of get as much as you could from it? Oh, we were definitely trying to get as much as we could from it. And we were, we were doing loads of gigs at the time, touring. You know, obviously, when you've got a major label behind you, you have everything sorted as far as tour support goes. So you have a proper crew and... You can travel everywhere okay um so we were just happy that we were able to do that really um yeah i guess in the back of our minds it was a bummer you know that the guy had left but um on the other hand you try and be positive because you you just try and make use the best use of the situation you're in and the situation we were, we were in was working with other people at the company and trying to get them excited in our music as well you know so um yeah, you, you just get on with it, really. And, um, yeah, it was all new to, to all of us, you know. So, uh, in, and in that way, it was quite exciting. So we just, yeah, just got on with it. When you think about stressful situations and being nervous and dealing with the situation, some people will turn to like certain coping mechanisms, you know, whether they start meditating or they start reading or they start exercising or, you know, whether slightly more unhealthy spectrum, you've got like alcohol and drugs and all those things just to deal with what's going on in between the years, so to speak. But you mentioned that you just, you just got on with doing your thing and making the music. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh yeah, I mean, well, we were we were quite young, so obviously we were all going out a lot anyway and stuff. And um, yeah, but uh, no, we did. I can't remember meditating over it for very long. <laughs> uh, I can't. I can't imagine uh, a lot of time. Maybe these days I would, but yeah, I can't imagine they gave you a lot of time to to really process it. Like, right, you've signed, no. get you going. No, exactly. Yeah, you just yeah, you just find yourself in that position. You just make the best of it. Yeah. yeah. So when you started the the solo aspect of it, you, you sounded very much like you started collaborating with a lot of other bands and other singers. And when I was doing a bit of research into yourself, I think you can see where this is going. Uh, I noticed that you you did some work with people like Tom Jones and and Celine Dion. Now before we before we dove on live, so. Hello to the listeners. Before we got onto the uh, the live element of it, um, you didn't really have a lot of communication with Salim. But do you have anything interesting to share with us about your experience working with Tom? Yeah, he was really cool. Um, did a lot of rehearsing with him, and we did loads of TV stuff. Uh, didn't actually play live with him, but we were supposed to. But that didn't happen for some reason. So yeah, I spent a lot of time with him rehearsing. Uh, I can remember talking to him. The only thing I can remember talking to him about in any at any length was the length of my guitar strap because he was very impressed that I had my guitar so low. Uh-huh. Um, and he he I remember he likened it to the guitarist from the Alex Harvey band, right? Who he was aware of. Yeah. So um, I can't remember the name of the guitarist now, but he said, oh, "Well, he was the first guy that did that that had it really low, you know." And I said, "What, well, really?" I said, "Before Jimmy Page or whatever." And he goes, "Oh, yeah, oh yeah, before Jimmy Page." <laughs> so uh, that was that was actually really interesting. Um, 
So it, it's weird. And that's weird. It's one of those things that you, uh, I guess, gets passed down, you know, that style of playing where your guitar is pretty low and you, you never really sort of give it too much thought as to where, who originally did that. But he actually sort of said that to me. And that was pretty cool. Yeah. I love the, yeah, cool. the, uh, the impression as well that you attempted before. You know, you, did I? Yeah, a little I didn't even notice. A little bit, yeah. I, I could do a bit of a Welsh accent, but yeah. <laughs> Good old Tom. Good old Tom. I, saw, I actually saw him a couple of years ago in, um, in Australia as well. He was uh, doing this festival that I was playing with another band at, yeah. And he, was, he, he said hello and stuff, so that was cool. Because I hadn't seen him for a while. You got a hello from Tom. That's amazing. Just imagine, just imagine getting a hello from Tom. That would be that'd be pretty cool. So talk to us a bit about the the solo side then, because there's a lot of it that I imagine like caused it to to happen that way. But then looking back over the the chat that we've had, you've been doing some solo stuff anyway. So. What was the transition like and did you still do like group stuff and solo stuff together like what was the what was the story behind that uh well i started doing solo stuff it's probably about nine years ago um and it was actually at a period in my career where i wasn't in any band at all um i just left a band and uh I'd always I'd, I'd been thinking about doing it for years, but I'd always been sort of waylaid by being in other bands, really, and uh, playing with other people. So um, yeah, it just came at that point where I didn't have anything else going on, and I just thought, well, obviously now's the time to start doing it. So I just started recording at home and round at friends' places, and um, uh, and then started playing uh, gigs on my own, and I, that's the way I've done it since then, really, pretty much. Um, I just get on stage and do it, you know, plug in. I use backing tracks and stuff. Um, uh, yeah. This is going to be a complete segue. Do you use a loop pedal at all? Because I see a lot of people doing it to sort of create the tracks, loop mm. them, and then play their own thing on top of it. It's how I, how I, with my very, very low level of music knowledge. Uh, oh, yeah, a lot of people are doing that, yeah. Is that something that you do as well? No, I've never, I've never owned a loop pedal. Uh, I do everything. I produce everything at home. Everything that I play over, um, because I kind of like, I like, I like to keep the backing completely electronic, and and have the guitar be the only kind of, well, apart from when I sing, which is not on every track, but mostly it's just the guitar, which is the kind of organic aspect to scant regard. Um, so I don't really like layering guitars live. Um, you know, fair enough if that's the way you want to do it, but that's kind of, that's not really what I do with this. I imagine everyone having their own unique style and things that they like. And a lot of, a lot of other artists have commented on how sort of personal it is, whether it's how they perform what their strategy is for creating music, what their process is. It's all very self-indulgent, I guess, because there's so many different ways that you can do it. I'm picturing like hundreds of different ways. The only way to pick one is to pick one that, that works for you. So what's your, yeah. 
what's your own particular process for creating? Because you said that a lot of the background stuff is electronic. You record it yeah. at home, so then you don't have to, I imagine you are less of a, a worry, I suppose, when you are performing. Um, what's the what's the creative process like for you? Uh, well, yeah, it can come from anywhere. It can come from an idea of a beat or a groove or or it can come from a guitar riff or uh, even a vocal melody um, or a lyric even. So um, it can, it's all different with every every track could come in a different way, you know, could have been started in a different way. Yeah. So what's the... What's the, the point where you know what the process is then? Do you have like a, an apple on the head moment and you go, ooh, that sounds like... But then you might have a moment where you, you might the process might be totally different. So do you have a way of recognising like how the song is going to be created before you, you do it? Um, well, like I say, it's different with every song, but um, it's... Uh... Yeah, it depends. And, and that's different as well. Sometimes you will get a eureka moment, I suppose, where you're thinking, oh, this is all, you know, and that could that could happen completely by chance as well. It could be the elements you put together of different sounds, uh, which might you might they might not work on their own, but you put them together and they kind of work together and become something worth uh, pursuing, you know. So, um, yeah, that, that happens quite a lot. It's just really interesting how how people do have very different processes. Mm. And I've always been curious about it because I I do a lot of creative stuff as well, similar to what the podcast is. And very often it can be quite tiring when the process isn't the same all the time. When I write something, just as an example, when I write something, I can have a day when... I can write thousands of words, mm. thousands of words in a day. And I don't notice it. I don't feel it. It doesn't feel like a struggle. The hands just move and words appear on the page. Yeah. Uh, sometimes I forget to eat, right? Yeah. I can get that yeah. way when I forget to eat. And then I have days when it's like, oh my God, I'm never going to get this done. I'm never yeah. going to write it. It's going to be horrible yeah. i'm gonna have to force myself through it and it took a while for me to accept that while it feels differently to me the actual writing itself might not be a whole lot different mm. like if someone was to read it they might not be able to tell the difference between like a more like flowing type thing where the words just appear yeah versus the words that i have to force myself to write Absolutely. someone reading it might not actually know the difference yeah. but how would you deal with the the not knowing how this is going to go because i like how it's experimental probably in your case you throw yeah. things together and it can sound great and then you go okay well what about this and what about that is it you have a foundation that you build on or do you literally just sit there and go don't know how this is going to go, but it'll probably end up okay at the end either way. Yeah. I, with, with this scant regard stuff, it's kind of um, the foundation is normally the easy part because that's if I come up with a few chord changes and, you know, variations on a theme, um, I can kind of put that down quite quickly. 
and program drums and stuff like that. Um, but it's the it's all the kind of, like, like they say the devil's in the details, isn't it? So it's all the kind of little the little kind of bits you have to tweak um, once you've got all the basic ideas down. That's where all the that's where all the hard work is really, and that's where I I kind of have to get obsessed. And I know what you mean when you say um, when you have to force yourself. It's a very different feeling from um, when it's flowing naturally. That's totally uh, that's a good observation, and um, it's uh, that happens a lot with music. Um, but I find when I, it's just like you just get into a habit, and and you, I I just I end up with, like I just did this album, and I the only way I could finish it was I had to be obsessed with it. I had to be literally like, I couldn't walk in the room without doing this, without changing that, without, you know, so it, that's the only way it got done really. Otherwise it's kind of probably not even worth putting out anyway. You know, if you haven't spent that time and put that effort into it, I think. So it all, it all makes sense. You know, it all makes sense. All the, all the hard work, I think to me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've never had a moment when, you've accepted the fact that you are probably going to have to drag yourself through it and you ever sort of sit there and go it's going to be one of those days but then at the end of that day you go it was still worth pushing through and then do you ever have a day where it doesn't feel like it was worth pushing yeah, through sometimes it? but then you know you might you might get a day like that and then you'll you'll fire it up the next day and think, oh, it wasn't as bad as I thought. So, you know, you might, it might be because you're tired. It might be because you just listened to something too, too many times um, and just try to ram it into your head to, to get done, you know, uh, and then you need it. That's when you need a bit of space. And then like, so you just need to sleep on it. And the next day, it'll be like, oh, okay, actually I can do this. And if there's bits you need to change, they might, it might be a bit more obvious, you know, when you've had a bit of distance from it. One of the things that I have been, I guess, eager to to ask as well is like with with some creative projects, you can refine it to the point where you're doing it for no reason. Mm-hmm. And you can get to a point where you're making changes upon changes upon changes and structure changes. I, I use book as an example because that's that's mine. Um but you can get to a point where you're just changing all the time. Has that ever happened to you? Oh, definitely. Yeah, it can be. It can. I mean, that's the problem is like you you have to know when to stop as well. You know, you have to know when uh, to take a step back and say, hang on, you know, you, you're just going too far. You do. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that does happen quite a lot, actually. <laughs> it's almost like learning about yourself and anticipating when that starts to happen. And then... Mm-hmm convince yourself <laughs> mm. that enough's enough it's probably mm. the best it's ever going to be and yeah i i know for myself it was like well you're never really going to know how amazing it is until it's put out there you, you want to, yeah. to do so much without the external absolutely and you have to realize that everyone's got a different perception of everything you know every human is different so it's uh the way you look at something is never going to be the same way anyone else is going to look at it uh, and that can be for good or bad you know there might be something that you've you've sort of thrown away you know it might be a bit throwaway you haven't even thought about it much and someone will get something really deep out of it you know um which is just it's just great that's um 
the beauty of perception, I suppose, isn't it? Yeah. What do you tell yourself before you decide that a song is as good as it's ever going to be? What do I tell myself? Uh, I tell myself, well, normally to go to bed because it's normally like taken all night to to get to that point, you know. So, uh, like I say, I do think that's the best thing sometimes, just to uh, listen to something on a brand new day. I like the phrase, listen to something on a brand new day. I quite like that because that can be relevant to a lot of different things, you know, like, yeah. like solving problems or finishing arguments if you've ever had an argument or finding a solution to something or whatever it is. Very often it's about looking at it and approaching it with fresh new eyes. So I really like how you, or in your case, ears. <laughs> it's, it's good how, how, how you phrase that as well because I think so many people try to get it done when they're not in the best state to finish it whether they're tired they're worried yeah. anxious they're like they've spent too long on it in one stint so they've become so obsessed with the way it used to sound or used to be when they first sat down and yeah. it constantly sort of forces them into that little box but what what yeah. things do you do to help avoid that what's do you have any particular rituals or routines like modern routines or something that help keep you as creative as possible for the longest amount of time um I'm not sure really i just like i say when i do when i am really rolling i just i do get obsessed and that's all i'm doing so i'm not even i'd like to say i'll, I'll just go go away and watch a film or something but i don't really my mind is so in it that I can't kind of, I can't do that. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing really, um, but it's just the way it works for me, you know? So I, I don't really have any set thing that I would do to, to get over that. Um, I think, you know, probably the best thing to do is, especially if you're doing an album, you just move on to another track, you know, and then go back to that one that was becoming a bit over the top and problematic. You know, I think that's, that's normally what I do, really. Yeah, just go back to stuff. Multitracking, very interesting. Yeah. Normally, multitasking. Well, but uh, yeah, it's all multi. Yeah, it's all multitasking. Isn't it? <laughs> multitracking, yeah. very very cool. So, share a bit about the the band then, and what sort of work that you're up to, and how can people find out more about you. Uh, well, scantregard.com is my website and that's got all the details about me and all the people I've worked with. And it's got all my music, all my solo music and links to my other bands. Um, uh, so, yeah, scantregard.com is the place to go, really. Well, thanks for being a guest. Those of you that, oh, thanks. Those of you that have tuned in, make sure you subscribe if you haven't already so you don't miss any of our other shows. And, Will, I look forward to keeping in touch. Thanks, Mike. Thanks for having me on. Cheers.